0: Welcome to News Du Jour. You may be wondering, why am I, Annie Bowles, here hosting this podcast? I usually start by telling people I'm a political baby. You see, my parents met working on Capitol Hill. By the time I was two, I had been in my first political commercial and even got lost crawling around the West Wing. Don't worry, Al Gore found me. My family then moved abroad when I was nine, and I attended an international school in Brussels with kids from all over the world, and it is this type of global perspective that I also bring to our show. I graduated from American University in D.C. after studying political science and art history, as well as interning on both sides of Capitol Hill. I even interned down the hall from where my parents met. I'm now pursuing a professional certificate in journalism at NYU in conjunction with Rolling Stone magazine. I guess I was always that friend in the group who cared deeply about not just what was going on politically, but also globally. I often kept my own friends informed through high school and into young adulthood, so I guess I've always done a version of this show. I'm genuinely passionate about following the news, and I'm here to break it down for you guys every weekday. We always strive to be a calmer space to get your news, or as one listener put it, like getting your news from a well-informed bestie. I'm so glad you're here. All right, you guys, this is going to be a very long episode, so buckle up. It's also an incredibly juicy episode. At least our first longer story is one that literally had me screaming just out of the juiciness of the whole thing. So let's go over three mini stories. One of them is a correction right here at the top, and then we will get into the rest of the episode. There's a lot to go over. Let's jump in. So the correction, I always do corrections for your reference right here at the top of the episode so that you cannot miss them and they will be on the next episode after they have been brought to my attention. This is actually one that I'm calling myself out on. Um, I worded things yesterday incorrectly when I said that Princess Kate and King Charles were having surgery. Kate did have a surgery, but they actually said King Charles was undergoing treatment. And when I re-listened to yesterday's episode this morning, I realized that could be chemo, radiation. It could be a bunch of different treatments. So I just wanted to clarify that we don't for sure know he's having a surgery. I always issue corrections, again, right here at the top, so you can't miss them. Luckily, they are few and far between, but if you ever have a correction for me, don't hesitate to email me or DM me. All my contact info is in the show notes. And from there, I wanted to let you guys know that Cheryl Sandberg is starting a new chapter. The woman really got her claim to fame helping found Facebook, but she's now on her way to taking her final step away from the company. She took on various different roles, rising to COO and then leaving that position for a board seat back in 2022. She is remarried now after losing her first husband to a very sudden death, you know, years back. And it really feels like she's starting. A new. She's ramping up her activist work. She recently spoke at the UN and will likely be shifting her focus towards things like that, but onward and upward. And if there's any exciting news about where she's going next or any future plans, we'll keep you guys posted. And for our second or third mini story, if you count the correction, Syria was also hit by Iran. So I saw this headline right after I had scheduled yesterday's episode. Woof. But safe to say this attack followed the same formula as the ones that we had seen in Pakistan and Iraq. Iran claimed to have been focused on, quote, anti-Iran terror groups, end quote. But that does not seem to have been the case. If you're curious about the rest of this story, we covered it in yesterday's episode, so you can always go back and listen to that one. Okay, so for our first longer story today, I'm going to get into all of the Fonnie T. Willis drama and... Just to be real here at the top, this whole situation really pisses me off. There's no hiding that in this instance. I have found the whole thing from the beginning to be sexist, pointless, desperate, and incredibly distracting. So I was really avoiding covering this story to avoid giving it any more airtime or oxygen. But here we are. It is blown up into this huge thing, touching on a bunch of different chords. So we need to get into it. Let's jump in. Some of Trump's co-defendants in the Georgia case via their attorneys are accusing the DA who's bringing the charges against Trump of an inappropriate relationship with a prosecutor on her team, and they're also accusing her of causing his divorce. They have provided zero evidence as to this claim, as per usual, and Fani said that the two are just friends. However, Fani was subpoenaed in this man's divorce proceedings, but the court was notified that the couple felt their marriage was irrevocably, irrevocably broken back in 2017, according to the New York Times. And this was before Fani had even met this man. And now these Trump co-defendant attorneys are asking that their divorce proceedings be unsealed and basically shown to the public. And that basically Fawny this prosecutor and their whole team be kicked off of the case because they know she's a ringer and they want to disrupt this whole process in this case to give themselves the best chance of winning and distracting from the real potent information here. According to the New York Times, the divorce will be unsealed. January 31st. So hopefully this will clear things up and not make them even more complicated, but we're just going to have to wait and see. But what has also come into play is accusations of sexism and racism very directly. And let me tell you guys, these sort of back and forth emails that the New York Times was basically replaying for us were, Let me just tell you, I was laughing, I was crying, I was squealing, I was screaming. I just had to recount this, you know, back and forth for you guys because it is just too juicy and important to leave out because this is what is being said between these two teams of attorneys. Let's go. So to paint the picture, Trump back in August made a claim, again, with zero evidence that Fani was having an affair with a gang member. So allow that to just set the scene for you guys. This is where she's coming from. She obviously stated publicly that this was false. So Fani and her team of prosecutors had been slow getting back to a request made by Trump's team. So his attorney wrote them, quote, for the life of me, I cannot understand why you refuse to respond to the series of emails below, end quote. So five days later, an executive district attorney, who is herself black, replies to him, quote, We are both aware, meaning her and Fawnie, especially as African-American women, some find it difficult to treat us respectfully, end quote. She went on to say, quote, over the last month, the emails of some of you have been disrespectful, condescending, lacking both professionalism and decorum, end quote. Trump's attorney wrote back that this was, quote, offensive, uncalled for and untrue, end quote. <sighs> I'm saying so many quotes and unquotes, but I have to be precise here about this type of thing. And he said, quote, suggests a degree of haughtiness, end quote. And this lit my fire, you guys. And you know, on this show, I make no qualms about calling out racism where I see it. And calling her haughty, it references a specific Jim Crow era term that I'm going to spell out out of respect. I'm not gonna say the term. But there was an actual term back in the day called an uppity, N-E-G-R-O. According to the root, this term meant, quote, proper noun, a fearless black person who by social definition is not in their place, end quote. And I know this term because I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma, where we saw some of the worst race riots in the nation because the black community was considered uppity due to their obvious prosperity. They were surpassing the white community financially and they knew it and they were burned for it, quite literally. And when you look up synonyms for the word uppity, guess what word comes up? Haughty. This is what modern day Jim Crow looks like. It's racist, period. So in response to this email, Fani took the wheel. She wrote, quote, In the legal community and the world at large, some people will never be able to respect African-Americans and or women as their equal and counterpart. It is not a burden that you experience. Further, some are so used to doing it that they are not even aware that they're doing it while others are intentional in their continued disrespect. As you know, I cannot be bullied. As you are aware, I have now experienced some of the most powerful people in the country call me everything but a child of God. And yet, here I am, and my team stands still pursuing justice. End quote. I cannot... I literally cannot. It was such a mic drop. I literally, I'm just, I was like shaking reading that. I was just like, she just really said all those things. And I'm blown away by how ferocious she is, but also so calm. I don't know that I could have been the same way in her place. And I just, I'm just so like blown away by her in general. But anywho. Mr. Sadow, who is Trump's attorney, never responded. Because how would you respond to that? You can't. There's nothing left to say at that point. Ugh, I am screaming, I am frustrated, and I will definitely keep you guys posted on this incredibly strange and heated situation. Told you guys this was going to be a long episode. We're really, you know, getting into the nitty gritty right before the weekend, Anywho, we are now going to go over some Israel and Gaza, etc. updates. Content warning, this story involves war. So Netanyahu says that he will not support the prospect of a Palestinian state after the war. Whereas the U.S. has called on Israel to establish a legitimate Palestinian state since the beginning of this war. In fact, the U.S. had even said it should be part of the quote-unquote day after, meaning immediately following the war, there should be efforts made towards self-determination for the Palestinian people. But apparently, that is not Netanyahu's game plan. And he claimed publicly that he had already relayed this message to his American counterparts. What he said literally about the situation was, quote, Israel needs security and control over all territory west of the Jordan. This collides with the idea of sovereignty. What can you do? The prime minister needs to be capable of saying no to our friends. End quote. So in our next update for you guys, Gaza has also been in yet another internet blackout over the past five days, making it one of the longest outages of the war so far. And obviously, this just complicates life in Gaza immensely. I mean, imagine trying to live your life without any internet service. I mean, you definitely couldn't run your businesses. You know, you couldn't do a lot of your normal functions. So uh, and, you know, for safety reasons, it's a huge hindrance. Also, just getting news out. So this has been obviously a big part of why we haven't been hearing much out of Gaza. For our next update, I wanted to talk about the tent camps in southern Gaza. So do you guys remember Rafa, that little territory, you know, that sits on the border between Gaza and Egypt? Well, it's the southernmost tip of Gaza, and that's where many people fled early on, both because Israel was telling them to flee south. So they went to like the southernmost tip, and then they were also hoping to flee into Egypt for safety. Initially, people gathered into like proper shelters, you know, provided by the UN and, you know, with proper roofs and things like that. But satellite images are now showing a much darker reality with rows and rows and rows of tents popping up all around these initial sites. In the time since December 3rd, so, you know, in the past like month or so, six weeks maybe, hundreds if not thousands of tents have popped up in areas where there previously were none. Rafa has become a vast village of tents, you guys, where people are gathering in hopes of security and numbers, sharing resources, and crossing into Egypt potentially. But that said, these tent villages are also proven to be hotbeds for disease because so many people in Gaza right now are getting sick because they don't have access to things like nutrition, water, electricity, or medical care. Making matters worse, the weather is also really terrible right now. It is wet and it is cold. And people in these circumstances would be struggling to survive even without the war raging on their doorstep and that leads me to a somber ending to this episode I wanted to talk about the death tolls and where we are at in the war in general so the death tolls are hovering right around 24,000 in Gaza total and that is according to the health ministry which as we know are part of Hamas or a Hamas controlled entity Israel is saying that they have killed roughly 9,000 Hamas fighters. And I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe there were around 22,000 in total that they were looking to take out. And so, you know, this is bringing us to about half. Israel also attested that they have lost 193 of their own soldiers To this fight as well. So I just wanted to keep you guys posted on the numbers as I'm seeing them and I will keep you posted every step of the way. I would say that my heart goes out to anyone who's lost someone in this fight, but I think that would just be a gross understatement. Every single person I know has shed tears over this. I feel like we're just collectively devastated, collectively heartbroken, and I just want anyone going through it whether you know you're someone in Gaza listening to this somehow or if you're someone who has a loved one who's a hostage or is just following these things very closely like you are not alone, our heart is with you and this shouldn't be happening. Um yeah, I just there's no context to put this in. You know, this is really unprecedented in modern times, it's also strange to follow somebody online and their life experiences online and be invested in their story and then find out that they're dead. That's a modern phenomenon. That's something new. And again, I feel like it's almost like a collective trauma, a collective heartbreak. And I just want the people who are in the middle of this to know that you're not forgotten about. You're on our minds at all times. And that is the news du jour. Today, I want to leave you guys with the quote. It is the peculiar nature of the world to go on spinning, no matter what sort of heartbreak is happening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use to listen. A rate and review on that platform or a shout out on social media would mean the world to us and help us to be able to keep creating the news du jour and reach more people who need a calmer space to consume the news. But the best way to support all of our work is to become a patron at www.patreon.com. Forward slash sugar free media, and that is also linked in our show notes. You can follow us on social media at newsdujour.podcast on both Instagram and TikTok. You can follow my personal account at it's Annie Bowles on both platforms as well. Any little noises you may hear in the background are my rescue pup He has a little separation anxiety and always records with me. We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News Du Jour. Broadcasting from. Oh. Oh.